0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church.
1: I'm Dexter, as Leah said. Uh, I've been coming here for about two years. This month, actually, exactly two years. With my lovely and talented wife, Janelle Ray, who you heard about earlier. I'm going to be reading the scripture today. I'd like to invite everyone to stand as we do so. (laughs) This is from Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. When he asked them, what is this dispute you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? What things? he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported what they had seen, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, "'How foolish you are, and how slow to believe,' all that was spoken by the prophets, all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he he gave the impression that he was going further. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were gathered together, who said, the Lord has truly been raised, and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road, and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the r- bread. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hold on, hold on, just... It's, just. it's it's been a really tough week, I'm looking for some. hold on, hold on. Ah, here it is. This is what I needed. Love is the answer to all of it. <laughs> thank you, Dolly Parton. <laughs> and, and Brené Brown, thank you for everything. I'm only slightly being sarcastic there. Uh, you're not going to hear me bashing social media this morning, but that is something that surprisingly has been encouraging sometimes. I'll be scrolling through something, or someone will text me out of the blue, and it will just feel so precise and timely and encouraging in a way that, I don't know, somebody somewhere in the universe knew that I needed. Uh, I actually love that we are cursed slash blessed to live in an age when there are access to so many voices in our lives. So many voices from all over the world throughout time. You can access so many, so much input. And so it has never been more important than it is now for you to decide who has authority to speak into your life. And it's not just because of the challenges of this rapid uh, you know, input of information and voices. It's because you as a species, we as humans, have always been deciding, even subconsciously or instinctively, who has the most authority in our lives. What voices carry the most weight, and it, for you, might be someone who's on Instagram or TikTok. For you, it might be the voice of your dad. It might be the voice of a a preacher or a teacher. It might be the voice of your best friend, and it just has more weight with you. For some of you, if you're really honest, the voice that has the most authority in your life right now might be something like an inner voice, like your own voice, whatever that sounds like for you. Uh, What I want to wrestle with this morning and talk about is, what is the voice of God Sound like, like if that's a thing, and I'm not assuming that everybody listening to me right now knows or believes that there is a God, but if the source of all of nature and all of beauty and all of math and all of music actually spoke to humans, just if you could, if you could wonder that for a second, wouldn't that be an important voice to try and discern whether or not you decide to follow it or be scared of it or do anything with it? Wouldn't it be nice to know what that voice sounded like? At Story City Church here, I know that one of the core values is that our story is God's story. And you're going to hear that most weekends that you're joining Story City Church, but more importantly, you're going to feel it. What it means practically is that your story, with all of its bumps and bruises and failure and fortune, matters to God and it matters to these people. So if you're here this morning and you are praying, 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 praying desperately for God to intersect and intercede into your life and to give you direction and to maybe calm down some chaos and clear up some confusion for your life, it may be somewhat encouraging to know that you are sitting next to people who just assume that your story and all that confusion you're feeling matters to God. And you're also going to feel it in the way that these people behave and treat you that your story matters to them. But speaking of prayer, it's one of the ways that a lot of people have claimed they hear the voice of God is in times of prayer. I think it was Richard Dawkins who said that prayer is a really great way to feel like you're doing something while doing absolutely nothing. And that may not be what you believe, but it's certainly what a lot of people believe. And certainly in my experience, I think prayer and hearing the voice of God in prayer has not only been what motivates some people to do nothing, it's, it's gone further than that. People have done a lot of damage claiming to have heard the voice of God. I was in high school, and this girl in my high school youth group in my church pulled me aside one Wednesday. She said, I heard the voice of God. He told me something. I was like, That sounds like a big deal.
1: What did God tell you?
0: And she said, God told me that you and I are supposed to get married. And I said, Are you sure that wasn't Satan? but we have been married for 43 years. <laughs> if somebody clapped they married for 43 years, I have got to up my skin regimen. <sighs> but that's obviously the part of the girl telling me that that part was true, but I've not been married to that girl for 43 years nor did I marry that girl nor have I spoken to her for a long time, but hopefully God is still speaking to her in crazy ways. It's gone much further than that. I mean, Richard Dawkins says it's a way of doing nothing. People have done far worse than nothing, claiming to have heard the voice of God, right? I have friends of mine who have been accused of abusing their children because somebody heard the voice of God telling them that, accused of, accused of abusing their spouses or uh, being possessed by demons. We have a friend, a dear friend, who was told by someone... He, claiming to have heard the voice of God that she was going to give birth to another healthy child after a series of miscarriages. And so she and her husband conceived only to have another miscarriage when God had so clearly told somebody in her life that felt like they needed to tell her that she was going to have another healthy baby. So I don't blame you. I don't blame you for being a little cynical when somebody says that they have heard the voice of God. I think you should be. I am. You know, I I haven't even mentioned all of the cults that have been formed and the violence that has been perpetrated and the wars that have been fought all because somebody has claimed to have a direct line from God. So it's okay for us to be a little cautious and careful when people are claiming such fanciful things as hearing the voice of the divine. But what if it's possible? How would you know it? How could you trust it? What would you do with it if you could hear the voice of God speaking into your life. I want to start with an interesting premise this morning. It's not the premise of does God speak. I want to start with the premise of if God speaks, are you actually ready to hear it? Are you positioned to listen? And the story that was read for us in Luke's account of Jesus' life just a few minutes ago, actually, that story contains all of the ingredients that I know about Uh, in terms of how to hear the voice of God. It has all of the essential elements of a life, of an experience that has heard the voice of God, at least in my own experience. Luke was a doctor who gathered eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus And put them together. These were people who walked with Jesus, heard the sound of his voice as he was teaching, saw the miracles that he had done, were affected personally by the life of Jesus. And Luke put those things together in his biography. And this is where we get this account of these two, up till this point, strangers to us in the story of Jesus, the the life of Jesus. But I want... Even though there's no prayer whatsoever in this story, I want us to look closely at what was happening in these two people's lives in this moment and why it was that they got to hear the voice of the divine. First, let me just say this. It's possible today that God is staring you in the face, whispering in your ear, and you just can't pick up on it. You just can't tell. Here in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, it says, Now that same day... Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, and by same day, it's an important day, this is the day that people all over their village were claiming to have seen Jesus alive again after he suffered capital punishment at the hand of Rome. Like, I know that we've been talking about resurrection for 2,000 years, whatever is you believe about resurrection. You know, it was even more impossible for people back then to believe that somebody rose from the dead because it was the first time they had heard of that ever happening, So, these two people were incredulous. Like, we'd been following Jesus. We put all of our lives behind following this guy, and then he died. He died embarrassingly at the hand of Rome. And so, yeah, it's hard to believe that he's alive again. But that same day, these two, who were followers of Jesus, they were going to this village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, very close to where Jesus was crucified and buried. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And then in the next sentence in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. I have no idea what that looked like. If they had seen Jesus before, does it mean he had like a different face? I don't know. I I think a more important question is why would a Jesus who loves these people so much clearly keep himself from being recognized by them? And I don't know that either. But I do know that God doesn't make himself obvious at times when I think he should, when I think that he could. I do think that it's fascinating to see the journey that he leads these two people through that maybe they would not have gone on if they just had noticed Jesus right away. Right? If they'd just known, oh, this is the answer that I needed, this is the clarity that I needed, they wouldn't have gotten to participate in the journey that Jesus is about to lead them on. So that could be part of it. Verse 17, the next sentence, he asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, and I think the, na- the reason he's named is because people reading Luke's biography knew who Cleopas was. So it's like one of them, you know Steve, Steve asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? The next sentence, verse 19. What things, Jesus asked, you know, feigning like that he didn't know. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet. Hmm, interesting, never heard of him. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And you can almost hear it in their dialogue. They're desperate, and they're so confused. It's like, I had really gone for so long in my life, at least for a year, maybe three years as Jesus was public in his ministry, just putting all of my stock into this guy. And I thought it was so clear. I thought it was going to get better. I thought that you know things were going to be uh, so like, clearly laid out. I thought the plan was going to succeed, and then it didn't. I'm so confused by this. We wanted Jesus to be the answer and people that we respected ended up rejecting the guy that we thought was the answer. So what do you do with that? Uh, the disciples who were so close to Jesus, they, and we thought we were shoulder to shoulder following this guy. Some of them have started disassociating themselves with Jesus. What am I supposed to do with that? And then to make it worse, we've got some of our companions, we've got some of the women in our community who are saying absolutely crazy things like, can you just please let us grieve? without trying to make up stories superstitiously, trying to make us hope empty again. Now, Jesus, in response to this, does sort of the equivalent of a slap across their faces. In verse 25, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, this is so cool, Jesus explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This must have been a very long walk. (laughs) But he's talking to, like, this is not how he would respond to most of us. He's talking to two guys who were bathed in the Jewish scriptures. They were raised with this stuff. So he's like, you already know this. You've heard all this before. Like, it should have been shocking if God's answer for the world wouldn't have suffered. Because... God has been telling you that for hundreds of years, that you'll know that God's answer has showed up because he will suffer, because he will die. This is precisely what God has been telling you about for a long time. You should have been surprised if none of this stuff, if none of this stuff happened. And then he leads them on this Bible study through all of the Jewish scriptures that I wish we had podcasted. That would have been tremendous to hear Jesus lead a Bible study. Then verse 28, after all this, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. So he's just like, no, I'm gonna peace out, guys. See you later. You know, like making him want it. So then they're like, oh, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them in the village that they were staying in. So there was something about the words he was sharing, something about his insight, something about his presence, something about that moment, and they, and they couldn't, probably explain it. They couldn't articulate it, but they wanted more of it. They, they, they knew that something about the way he was interacting with them was giving them just a little bit of clarity. Maybe it just sounded a little bit more intelligent to them. Maybe it sounded more timely, more precise. Maybe it just started to make sense of the chaos that they were experiencing. And even though he hadn't answered their confusion yet, even though they weren't sure if Jesus was alive again, because it doesn't say they recognized him yet, there was something about this interaction that was starting to center them. That was starting to anchor them. That was compelling them to long for more, and they took the bait. I want more. I want more. I want more. And they were giving him their undivided attention. So don't miss this. All of a sudden, after this long journey, at this point in the story, they are finally ready to hear and to see and to recognize. Verse 30, when he's at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, this might have been a communion, like a Seder feast. It could have just been a dinner that they were having. But after all of this talking, he leads them not in more explanation. He leads them into just this perfect moment of intimacy, just sitting there together. And maybe in this moment of quieting the chaos of their confusion, Maybe in that moment, they were able to focus on more than just the chaos of their confusion. Maybe they were able to expand their awareness just a little bit. It's not like those things weren't true, that the world didn't feel like it was falling apart, but there was more that they were becoming aware of in that moment of stillness. And it's in that setting that God decided, for some reason, for their eyes and their ears and their hearts to be opened to who was really sitting right in front of them the whole time, that's something, that posture, that moment, that space is something that God can speak into. That's when he became, for them, obvious. In the next sentence, verse 31, then their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I love that moment. It's one of my favorite moments in all of the biographies of Jesus where they're just like wide-eyed with each other. Like, wasn't that amazing? Like Jesus gave them this shared experience that for the rest of their lives, even if they never get to see Jesus in person or hear his voice with their physical ears again, they will have this moment to pull back to be like, remember that moment when Jesus just met us? Remember that moment when he explained something to us? Remember that moment when Jesus changed everything for us and they got to share that experience together? It's a really powerful moment here. And right away, the story goes on to say they rush out and they're like, we, we've seen him too, we're one of the wackos. We believe Jesus is alive again. Okay, no one, no one has prayed in this story. I mean, Jesus gave thanks for the bread, but let's not count that for a second. No one's even praying in this story, but I do want us to see, to notice here, just quickly, all of the conditions for picking up on the voice of God, hearing the voice of God, if that's a thing that happens, are right here. The real God of the universe who raised Jesus from the dead, All of the conditions are met for you and I to have an encounter with the voice of God, the real presence of God in our lives. But the question I want to ask us is, are you positioned to listen? Are you positioned to listen? I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. Jared did an incredible job expanding on a few of the points that I'm just going to briefly cover again as I apply what I think is important for hearing the voice of God. It really, really goes thorough in why it's so important for us to go back to these practices. But the first practice of positioning, and it doesn't get more complicated than this. I get it from this encounter. I get it from all over scripture. I get it from my own personal life. The first practice of positioning is first you've got to find a zone. You've got to find your zone. You'll notice here that as the journey goes on, they were focusing less and less on their issues. They first started with, it was just about the issues. Jesus was right in front of him, talking to them, and He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, this is going on. And he fired me and she dumped me and the world's falling apart. And I've, you know, my knee hurts and whatever. Like they're just focused on the issues. And you'll notice, it's not like Jesus didn't care. He started there. He's like, oh, tell me more about that. I'm like, oh, crazy women. And then our companions. And can you believe they're doing this? Like Jesus started there, but they didn't catch that it was him. They were just being honest. They were being vulnerable with how they felt. Then you'll notice they moved into they focused on learning. Okay, well, now that I got all that, I, I'd love to learn about what this means or if there's some answers to this or if there's a way through this. He used that. Then you'll notice they moved to a moment where they're transfixed. They got into what I'll call, and it's kind of silly to just call it the zone, but I wanted to, give it, I wanted to share it in a way that maybe is memorable for you. They got into this zone and why that's important is because what we've understood about God, and certainly what I've experienced with God in my life, is God does not scream at you. No. Like he's detached and he's across a football field and he's like, hey, you! <laughs> like that's what God sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you! <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, but God whispers and he nudges and he gives you these impressions. And I wonder why that is. I think part of it could be because God loves to be intimately involved in your life. And there's few things as intimate, as close as a whisper. But I also think it's because God's voice has real authority, whether you know it or not. And so God can just simply whisper what's true and drop the mic. He doesn't need to campaign for himself. If you start to pay attention to the whisper and apply it to your life, you'll start to realize how much authority that whisper actually has. So just whispering, that— place, you have to find that space where you actually could pick up on a small nudge and a small whisper and a small impression. I'll give you some practical examples from my life like Jared shared last week from his life. I do love getting out in creation. It's a habit that I'm actually incorporating more into my life this next year. There's something about seeing things that only God could have made, that helped me pay attention to the voice and the presence of God in my life. That's an important piece. But every single morning, I did it this morning, I wake up before most of my family, um, except for our dog. He's the only one that wakes up with me. And I will read scripture. Um, and I had to have the discipline this morning. I, I was tempted, of course, to get right into the scripture that I had to teach you this morning. But no, I've got another discipline, my own personal fate. So I read through that piece. And then I get down on my face, on the floor, and I shut up. And I say, God, I'm here. If you have anything to say, if you have anything to convict me of, if there's a different decision you want me to make today, something else, there were some things He brought to mind that I I get to share with you in this message today. Whatever, something about my wife and my kids and my future. I just want, God, I want to hear your voice. And I do that every single day. That's part of my zone. I used to commute to an office in Hollywood and I would take the subway. And I remember choosing, even though the subway, the actual physical subway car was a different one every time I got on every morning, I just remember, like, if I'm in this car, it's going to be the second seat from the right, if it's available, that's where I meet God. And I would sit in that subway seat on the gold line, and I would just shut up. And, I would, and sometimes God would bring up, obviously, ideas about the city and the people of the city and soften my heart to serve the city even better. So just finding that zone. Whatever it is that declutters your mind, I highly encourage you that it would be without a screen. It doesn't have to be for four hours. It can just be for a few minutes. But have this routine, this discipline of finding a zone so you could pick up on a signal. I mean, honestly, our lives are so full of communication, it would be hard for you to pick up on God yelling at you from across the football field, let alone whispering. So whatever it is that gives you that, that space. Now, as soon as I say that, I want to be careful to mention that I'm not saying every single hiccup that you experience in the zone is the voice of God. In fact, most of them probably aren't. That would be absolute insanity. And if you're somebody who's a little skeptical of people like me and what I believe this morning and you hear me saying that, Again, I don't blame you for saying, like, oh, great, so you, like, meditate space out, and then whatever comes to mind just because you had, you know, Cocoa Puffs this morning is the voice of God. Like, no, not at all. It's not what I'm saying. But I will also say, don't be so surprised if God surprises you. It won't happen every time, it may only happen a couple times over the course of your life. But get into a space where you're at least open to the possibility of God surprising you. Before uh, I was a preacher, I was a musician. And uh, I toured for a while, and then my wife and I we had kids. And I said, "Well, I don't want to tour." So I parlayed that into writing songs for television, and and I loved it. I, I didn't mind it at all. I thought that was what I was going to do, at least for the rest of my life. It had lucrative possibilities, and I got to, for the most part, work from home. I loved it. We got really involved at a church in Hollywood, and we were volunteering there, and. Then we got involved in a a church plant in Hollywood. And I remember we're a couple years into that, and there's this, the, the pastor of that church decides to step down. He pulls me into his office one day, and he says, Joseph, I think you should be the pastor of this church. And I laughed at him. Like, it's so funny. And I'm not saying that was the voice of God. It was just the voice of this guy who was quitting. So I was like, honest. So then I went home and I told my wife, we had a good chuckle together, and then we did not talk about it for four months. True story. She's right over there. (laughs) Didn't talk about it. But I was in the habit in my life back then of getting in the zone. I did it not every day, not perfectly, but often, and I would just get in that space where I could pick up on a whisper and a nudge. And wouldn't you know it, I would just keep getting these impulses, these impressions like, this is your next step. This is your next step. This is your next step. And I knew it wasn't me because I didn't want it. It's not like I was like, oh man, I really hope this is, buy that Ferrari. Buy that Ferrari. (laughs) God, is that you? Of course it's you. Should it be red? Of course it should be red. No. So that moved us into a, radical life change at that point and it happened again this year. It's now been 11 months ago but and I see a lot of familiar faces here. It's been something we're very open about but we've gone through another major transition and it's been nine months of us trying to pay attention to that small voice of God because if nothing else, it doesn't matter if I have a platform, if I have the same job, if I have a steady paycheck, I have to model for my daughters and for my wife and for the people that I serve that I'm somebody who's desperately seeking the voice of God in my life and I will follow that whisper wherever it takes me. So nine months ago, same thing, just in that zone, this subtle nudge and this subtle impression of the next step is going to be you stepping down from something you're so passionate about. For seven years, investing in starting a church, Radius Church, and serving people for those years. And that was part of that impression. And I'd love to say that it was as clear as Jared um, finding his wife, like where I had a dream one night where I had this vision of sail some birds and I looked over and there's a silhouette of Jared and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you only get that joke if you go back and listen to his message you were here last week. So I encourage you again to go to storycitychurch.com or the podcast and listen to it because it's an awesome story. That didn't happen to me. It was just these whispers that couldn't go away and it was not my desire. That, that was a big piece of it. Sometimes it is. Jesus asked all the time, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Pay attention to that. But there are times when these impulses come up and it's not my fear, it wasn't something else, it was just this thing that seemed to be changing the story. So this moves me into the next piece of being in a position to listen. How do you know if the nudge that you're experiencing in that space, that zone, is actually the voice of God? I strongly encourage you that the first place you should look to verify this voice, and it's the second practice of hearing the voice of God, is looking at what God's already said. The second practice of positioning is simply God's words. And it's why we teach from Scripture. It's why you'll hear that every single week as a part of Story City. That's why, if anything I say today has authority, it's not simply because it's my life I'm talking about. It's not just my truth. I want to speak from what I believe is a truth outside of myself, that whether I like it or not is something that's trustworthy. We sing songs that are springing from the pages of Scripture. I believe, and you don't have to believe this, but I believe that God has actually spoken real words, and he doesn't contradict them, because he has a consistent character, and also because he loves you, so he's not trying to play bait and switch with you, like, "haha, just kidding, now I'm going this way now, it's, it's, that's not a God who loves you, that's not a good, good father, God has already spoken words, so... When I have heard whispers and nudges, we try to verify that with things that God has already said. So, Joseph, are you telling me that God is, you know, there's something in the pages of scripture that's telling me to break up with my girlfriend? Well, maybe not directly, you know. You know, are you telling me there's something in here that says I shouldn't get my fine arts degree? No. You shouldn't get your fine arts degree. (laughs) You're wasting money and time. Go get a job and make a, okay? But that went from here. You know, it's like the old school version of scrolling through Instagram or TikTok to try and find the voice. And some of you Christians have done this. You've probably heard stories of this is where just you let the Bible fall open to something. Like, gosh, these people at work are just being so rough. God, what do I do? It's just, it's so painful. I don't know what to do. Just let the Bible fall open. So let their children starve. <laughs> This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Let them die by the sword. Let their wives become childless widows. Let their old men die in a plague and let their young men be killed in battle. Let screaming be heard from their homes. As warriors come suddenly upon them, it's Jeremiah 18, 21 and 22, praise be. God, I wanna obey you in that. I'll make that happen. No, <laughs> but there's, it is hard to get a clear answer out of hundreds of pages. I totally understand that, which leads me really quickly into the last practice, discipline, routine of making sure that you're in a position to listen. You are going to need his people. Yeah. You're going to have to find your zone routinely, and I'm talking daily, maybe even more often than that. Uh, back up the impulses you're getting, ideas, you know, confusion you have, back that up, verify that, double-check that with God's words as best as you're able. And I know that's challenging, particularly if you're brand new to, the, to Scripture. It's a lot in there. So that's why you need to rely on God's people. And that's, by the way, the kind of people that can help you with this are not all people. All people are loved by God and all people have a great purpose for life, absolutely. But I guarantee you there are some people within your circle of influence, within your radius, who not only love you, but they actually want God's best for you. And they might have some measure of maturity or experience following Jesus that might be informative for you and help you get some clarity around things that you can trust. Is this God leading you in your life? I guarantee you if you're practicing being in the zone and you have regular scripture, as a, you're digesting that as a diet in your life, you still need more. God is leading you into a closer relationship with people. He does that all the time. I think one of the incredible graces of God is the fact that he doesn't, Jesus didn't make himself obvious at the beginning of their journey to Emmaus. And part of that could have been so that they could have this experience together. It is very possible that God doesn't want to give you greater clarity because he wants to give you closer relationship with other people. If God was just always just telling you the answers to your questions, you could live this life on your own. And that is not God's desire for you. That's why spaces like this are crucial to the clarity that you need hearing the voice of God, is making sure you've got people in your life who love you and want God to speak to you. After Katie and I, you know, going through paying attention for the last several months of that nudge of, I think it's time, Joseph, for you to step down from this position, what we did, as soon as that was starting to be a regular nudge and a whisper, was we brought people into our lives. We talked to a lot of, the, the biblical phrase for it is wise counsel. You know, as, as we made that decision, I talked to the board of Radius. And even though it was difficult, it's not what we wanted. There was unity around it. We believe this is God's voice. Once the decision was made and before we t- went public with it, I called leaders that I respect. I called your pastor, Jared, and I was like, this is the decision that I, we believe God's bringing us to. We wanted constantly, like, you should not be afraid of bringing in other voices into your life Um, if you really believe this is God telling you to do something. You should not want to hide that. I always get concerned when people have to be so clandestine and hidden with what they think God's next direction is. You should be way out in the light with this stuff. Because there are so many people who God's Spirit will use to give you even more clarity and confidence and courage or help you from making an enormous mistake. I think it's unfortunate that we live in an age of what I call bespoke spirituality. Spoke meaning, like, custom fit to yourself, where you can kind of Frankenstein together what you want to believe based on, like, how you feel and your two favorite influencers and, you know, a barista, and that's it. (laughs) Like, if that's what makes you feel good and tells you what you want to hear so you can live the life that you've always dreamed of living, then you're living in an age where that's common. That's normal. That's ordinary. And yet, why is it that so many people still live so confused? And so directionless and so lost and so hungry for greater clarity in their lives. Maybe it's because we don't have enough by ourselves to hear what we most need to hear. We so seldom will choose for ourselves the authority that we need in our lives. Let me say that again, because this is huge. We so seldom will choose for ourselves the authority we most need in our lives. Half of the time, my kids would not choose me as their dad. And yet, as far as I know, I'm the best fit for the job, okay? So I want to bring us to this moment that the two had at the end of their time with Jesus. Again, one of my favorite moments, a moment that I hope I get to experience so many more times in my life. Don't you want your heart to just burn within you? Just knowing that you know that you know that you know that God has spoken and you can trust it trusted enough to lead you through the uncertainty of tomorrow. Don't you want to know that all of your pain and all of your confusion and, and your real story can actually have a personal encounter with the living God who loves you? Don't you want to know that? Then I, I can't make it more clear than this. Make sure you are positioned to listen. If you're a church person, I know that everything I just said to apply it sounds like what Jared covered last week. It sounds so ordinary and so routine. And maybe as I started talking this morning, you were hoping for some trick, some new idea so that you could hear the voice of God. And I'm not going to give you that. Why? Because God is not calling you to a life of magic tricks and unicorns, right? Prayer is mysterious enough. Faith is mysterious enough. Life is mysterious enough. It would be irresponsible for people like me to not be clear where we can be clear, God is calling you, because he loves you, to a livable life. And by the way, if I was to share with you only bizarre ways that God speaks, which he does do that, if I was only to share with you that, you might be inspired in this moment, but I would leave you disappointed, ultimately, because you walk out of here and realize that most people don't get to experience that stuff. You know, most people will likely not experience visions and an audible voice that they'll hear with their ears. That's not going to be your experience. Or worse yet, you're going to be distracted because you're going to be waiting for those fantastic ways that God might intercede or, or you know, speak to you in your life and miss all of the ways that the living God who loves you is speaking to every single human with an earshot of me right now. God is speaking to you right now. And if you're wondering why you don't have an answer or you don't have a new word from God, it's possible because you haven't paid attention to the things he's already said. Why would God need to share more when we've not paid as much attention to the things he's already shared with us? If you're discouraged this morning and you have been doing all the things that we're talking about, found a zone, you know, you've, you've been bathing yourself in scripture, you are routinely a part of, of this space and, and you're welcoming the voices of other people into your life and you're, st- I still just don't have answers. I don't know God where you're going next, I I don't have the clarity and the confidence that I need for this next season. I just want to encourage you, please do not give up. Do not quit. That God is actually driving faith deeper into your life right now. There's a journey that he's leading you on that is the point, that is life. And if he has to wait until your last moments of your last breath to give you that answer that you've been looking for, then what he's been doing between now and then is deepening your character deepening your resolve, deepening your faith, and deepening your experience of love that you can have with each other. And that alone is priceless. Do not quit. Do not give up. God is speaking to you now. Are you positioned to listen? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for being patient with us, for whispering to us, for saying so much already. God, thank you for saying so much just through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. If that's all we had to go on, we would know that you are with us, that you are for us, that we are worth loving to death, and we have nothing left to fear. That's enough to live on. God, thank you for meeting us exactly where we are. For those who are looking at their circumstances, you'll start there. For those who are looking at the pages of ancient writers, you'll start there. For those who are looking for you in romantic love, you'll start there. For those who are looking for you, God, in their dreams and visions for life and the reasons they moved to this city, you'll start there. But thank you, God, that you love us enough to give us so much more. Maybe come back to the discipline and the beautiful adventure of creating space for you every single day in our lives, paying attention to the words you've already spoken and dedicating ourselves to the community that you've put around us. And we can trust that at the right time and in the right way, we'll know it's you. Jesus, we pray this in your name, amen.